Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today, today, I'm delighted to be joined by Melanie. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your your thoughts and your wisdom with us. I really appreciate it. Well, I have a lot of thoughts. I can't promise wisdom, but okay. happy to chat. How, how's the modesty going? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just speaking the truth. So. <laughs> Could you introduce yourself? To, sure. the, uh, to, to the listeners, please, Melanie. Sure. My name is Melanie Sheets. I'm the executive director of the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in St. Louis, Missouri, in the States. Uh, I've been there for 22 years, and my husband and I are adoptive parents of two children who are now adults, ages 22 and 24. 22 and 24. So, yeah, so this is your passion and your professional life all everything wrapped all everything wrapped into one yes i'm looking to have the avocation so um yeah and adoption was always going to be part of my life story i've got many 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 adopted cousins um through foster care through international adoption my uh, aunt and uncle were some of the very first to adopt children uh, in the united states adopt children from korea korea and so it just was kind of built into my dna and um uh, never thought that adoption and the nonprofit world would come together for me in my career, but I'm lucky that it did. It did, yeah. Great. So when you think of, uh, sorry, when, when you heard this, uh, this phrase, thriving adoptees, what comes to your mind, Melanie? Um, I think about resilience. I mean, that's just what comes immediately to mind because, you know, by definition, all children who've been adopted have experienced trauma. So even children who are adopted as infants, right? I mean, still there's that separation. And, you know, we, we all are talking about trauma, trauma, trauma a ton, but, um, you know, the body remembers. And so even as an infant, if, if, um, if, if intellectually we don't remember, the body remembers that there's been some sort of trauma. And so it's just amazing to me that uh, when I hear thriving adoptee, I'm thinking, wow, this is a person who's really overcome a lot of adversity. Yeah. And what does resilience mean to you then? Um, getting, uh, what is, that's a good question. Um, so words are coming to my mind, which are not, not accurate. They're appropriate. There's not accurate, like, um, surviving and succeeding. None of those things are, are, are accurate. Um, let's see. That's a good question. People don't stop me very often, but that's a good question. What do I think of when I think of resilience, like moving, moving past and, um, I don't want to say thriving because that's your word, but <laughs> moving a past and, and, and being able to have your most successful life. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to do something slightly different for you uh, today. It's just occurred to me um, to, okay. to do this. Uh, so I got, I, I, got, um, I got an email from somebody last night. Uh, and let me see if I can find it. Yeah, okay. She says, um, I've been listening to your story on an adoption podcast, and I wanted to... Uh, wanted to let you know how helpful it was to, uh, to me. My husband and I have found ourselves approaching our mid-40s without kids, which was originally our plan, but recently we have questioned whether or not we feel like we're missing out. I think we've had too much on our hands during the pandemic. 
due to our age, we immediately thought about uh, adoption. We were really excited and joined adoption support groups, hoping for encouragement. We were given exactly the opposite. Every day I read posts and comments and felt more and more depressed. Our, ch our, child are bro our children are broken. All adopted ch uh, kids yearn for their birth mothers. Our children are stolen. I started to feel like a terrible person for wanting to adopt, whereas I had initially felt great about giving a child a permanent home. Read Primal Wound was the most common bit of advice in the group. Adopters seem to blame everything that uh, on what they view as permanent damage. But a lot of things they said were evidence of the primal wound existing were things I myself experienced as a child. She goes on to some list of some, um, some tricky issues that she's got. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for restoring my hope that my child will not be permanently broken and can thrive with the right support. My question is, how can how can I stop them? Oh, so I don't know. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to finish it there. So I wanted to say thank you for restoring my hope that my child will not be permanently broken and can thrive with the right support. What do you make of all that, Melanie? Woo, I've got lots of feelings about that. <laughs> So, you know, and so I, I was confused. So, so this couple has adopted, they haven't adopted. They're about she talked, to adopt okay, they're about to adopt. So here's the number one thing um, to understand why you're adopting, right? If you're adopting to fill some sort of hole in your own soul, that is the absolute wrong reason to adopt. I mean, people will be set up for failure automatically. Um, if if there are many other reasons, for example, you want to serve children, right? Um, it's it's got to be more of a service thing, not just because I want to be a parent, right? Nobody's born, like, just that's their right to be a parent. Um, but if, if you are on a journey to help a traumatized child heal and have the very best life possible, that's the reason to adopt. Um, and, you know, when I think about thriving adoptees, it's, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, of course, it's internal resilience, but also I'm imagining a lot of times they've been parented, and perhaps you were, Simon, in this way, I don't know, but parented with expectations that regardless of how this um, child grows up, I'm going to love them unconditionally, I'm going to help bring them as far as they can in this life. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens, I'm going to be there for them. It will be a success. That's got to be the expectation. I'll tell you, you know, I just said the body remembers, right? I, um, oh golly, my kids have just been through hell and, um, you know, we, we got them when they were one and three, but their poor little baby lives were just very, 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 very difficult. And, um, you know, they're each doing the very best that they can, but my daughter in particular just has it really rough. Um, she, um, has, it, she's actually homeless right now. She is working again, thank God. Um, right before we got on this call, she was asking me to get her some groceries and she's welcome to come back home. She will not come back home. She would prefer to be homeless with her boyfriend. I mean, that's part of all filling that primal wound that she has. Um, and 
she is an amazing hairdresser. And to see her with her customers, I mean, she is talented. She has mastery over that. And I know that if my husband and I were not her parents, she would have not gotten to that place. And at 24, she doesn't have any kids. She's not pregnant. She's not addicted to drugs. She's homeless. But she has a career that can that. So, I mean, to me, that's got to be the expectation that this is the best she can be where she is. Now, let me tell you what the body remembers. So when she was 14, I left her at home alone for the very first time, had, had never left her home alone ever, ever. But she was doing really well in school. Um, she said, I, I just want to stay home because I'm going to do some homework. And I was taking my son to his soccer practice. Now she's 14, right? Never left her home. For the very first time I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna be gone an hour and a half tops. She uh, thought she had no access to the internet, but you know, cause we had turned this off and that off and the other thing, but kids find a way. She, uh, there were some, she found out how to get, I don't know where, what site she was on, but older men were trolling for younger girls. And in an hour and a half, she found some guy to come over to our house and she was raped on our bed. Now, I was in a meeting on Tuesday and one of our staff was talking about a case she was working on. And, um, and I haven't thought about this for years. I mean, I talk about it, right? Just like I told you, it's a very matter of fact thing. It's what happened. I worked through it therapeutically, the whole thing. So we're in this meeting on Tuesday and one of my advocates talks about a similar case and my body just shut down. And it's nothing that happened to me. It just shut down. It's, and I realized later it's because we're at the anniversary of that. And this is also the anniversary of when my children first came into foster care. So even if we don't think about it intellectually, the body remembers. So back to our children. The best thing we can do is adoptive parents because we need so many adoptive parents, so many kids, especially kids in foster care, need homes. We want you to become a foster parent, adoptive parent. We just want you to be prepared with the very best information. And yeah, probably support group wasn't the best place to start. And I get that because people are in support groups for a reason, right? It might be better, especially in the UK, if this person is in the UK, Start by understanding dyadic developmental psychotherapy. It is the and it, it's it's widely practiced in the UK, um, and it is the only evidence based therapeutic intervention proven to work with adoptees. And it is a miracle. We see parents that have complete blocked care, right? They're ready to kick their kids out but they're calling us for help completely. We call that blocked care. When you just want to give up your burnout, you're done. We've seen complete miracles, complete reverses. So start now while the child is young, understand, be ready for all the developmental changes that are going to happen over time. Prepare yourself and be prepared to love with, with the very best skill set and information and be prepared to love this child no matter what. And love looks like a lot of different things, you know, sometimes that is, you know, you want $100 to go get groceries, okay, I'm not going to give you $100, but I'll tell you what I will do, I'll order some from Aldi and have them delivered to your house, because I don't trust you with that $100, <laughs> right, and setting up those boundaries. So that's, that's my very best lived advice. Yeah.
Wow. Um, the conversation that we had uh, before a couple of months back was uh, was uh, a, you know a, um, a very different one, and uh, this is uh, clearly shaping up to be a very different one. Um, well, uh, well, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, I I get it. But the person who emailed you, I mean, has very important concerns, and they are concerns that absolutely can be addressed as long as they're going into adoption with eyes wide open. Does it mean the child is going to be broken? Absolutely not. But does it mean the child has experienced some sort of trauma? Absolutely yes. And so be prepared for it all to be the very best parent you can, because it's not about you. It's about the kid. So I was talking to um, uh, an adoptive mom, um, Couple of uh, couple of well, a couple of weeks ago now, um, uh, a, a lady called uh, Robbie Seal. She's been on the podcast. Uh, she's got kids. She's uh, got a couple of kids with uh, FASD. And uh, I said to her, "It, you know, she's she's explained how realizing that this was a brain injury, yes, and, and treating it accordingly, yes, good for was, her, was, was was a breakthrough moment." for her and, and that she had to change it was about her <gasps> yes that's it that's it exactly it's about it's us about, changing to meet the child's needs changing. it's not about it's, it's not about the kids changing no so, oh I applaud that that's beautiful so I said to her um are there moments of peace mm. and she said yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are moments of peace Right. There are moments of peace. There are there are moments of uh, when when the you know what's ever whatever's gone on in the brain with FASD. Are, are there moments of peace with 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 your daughter? Always, always, always. I will tell you something funny, though. I think it's funny. Um, my kids like are always kind of you know one is doing well, the other one's not, and then they flip flop back and forth one day. <laughs> I said to my husband, Bruce, I'm like, wow, both of our kids are in a good spot. This is a miracle. We're walking from our car in the, in, to the back door. I walk out the front door to go to the mailbox, and there's a bright orange postcard, and it's a warrant out for my daughter's arrest. <laughs> so that piece was very short-lived. But look, this is what I know. I know. <laughs> It was unpaid traffic tickets. So. Yeah. Uh, but but this is what I know. Yeah. So what I know is I just want to what I know yeah. is you have to have a very strong partner. And I don't care who that is. I don't care if it's a significant other. I don't care if it's a, if it's a sister. I don't care if it's a best friend. You have to have a very strong partner who is going to love you unconditionally and your child unconditionally, no matter what. Because you know what? It doesn't help if somebody says, well, why is that kid so bad? They should really just be grateful to be adopted. Oh, no, no kid is born. Right. With that. Oh, gosh, I just wish I could be adopted thing. But with that partner. If you can just sit and explore and breathe in the small victories. You can be peaceful. Yeah. Do you think that we have become trauma obsessed? No, 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 no. I think that um, I think that there are very few answers to trauma. 
So I think that there's a ton of awareness, but there are very few modalities that actually address the trauma. So that's why we have so, you know, especially in the States where um, dyadic developmental psychotherapy was born here, but it was really um, just absorbed by the UK. Okay. And it's just starting to roll out here in the States finally. And, you know, our kids have gone through all kinds of therapies in the past that just don't work at all. Regular talk therapy. Here's, here's what we would do, Simon, with my daughter, who we knew was traumatized. And this is like, she's eight, nine, right? We, we tried to start really early, even like six and seven. Honey, let's talk about your trauma. Well, A, that's stupid because she doesn't understand. She's too young to understand what her trauma is. But B, because she's not in a space to do it. So finally, somebody taught me that what this whole DDP, dynamic developmental psychotherapy thing is based on, is very basic. It is, first, a child has to feel safe. And once they feel safe, you, you can build trust with them. And once you build trust, then you can address the trauma. But let's go back to the basic safety. A child with something like a reactive attachment disorder never feels safe, hypervigilant all the time. So it can look like on the surface that we're having a safe, trusting relationship. But until we really dig into that therapeutically, we're never going to get through the safety, the trust, and then the trauma. So, you know, lots of our kids go through something called trauma-focused um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Never proven to work with kids in foster care. Never. It was proven to work specifically with 12-year-old girls who had been raped, okay? That's an acute trauma. That is not a complex trauma that goes on over time. So I think it, maybe it sounds like we're obsessed because there just aren't a ton of answers yet for how to address it. But I'll tell you what, in the area of adoption and foster care, we sure have it. And it's called dyadic developmental psychotherapy. Um, and nobody wants to live in that trauma all the time, but you got to address it or else it's just not going to go away. Yeah. I mean, my, my own experience with this, uh, this, uh, this stuff is um, I can see how, so for me, I, I talk about, you know, and I, I, I felt, uh, first off, I had, I was adopted at five weeks old, so I didn't have any, uh, I was going to swear then, um, <laughs> I didn't have me, any. Okay. I, 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 well, yeah, hopefully people are going to be listening to this in, in, a, in a few weeks' time. Thank you, listeners, for listening to this. Um, the, <laughs> I, I didn't have any uh, adverse, I, didn't have, I, I had, you know, what people call relinquishment trauma, but I didn't have any um, uh, trauma to do with neglect or abuse. Or right, like right, exactly, exactly. Thank God. Thank God. So, um, I, you know, I, I never... You know, so when people say that the body keeps the score to me, uh, to me, I say, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it doesn't really feel like that. That's my lived experience of it. That's that's not how it how, how it feels to me. And some people say, oh well, you're in denial. Well, okay, maybe maybe you'd think that, but you know, it's just I'm just explaining how how I think of it, right? But but. Six years ago, seven years ago, I read The Primal Wound mm -hmm. and I thought I was wounded. Until then, I didn't think I was wounded. And I'm making this, I'm making it really crystal clear and ultra 
ultra simple. I did not feel. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that way. I didn't feel that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And they say, and, and this woman talks about this thing, primarily wounded. Well, my question, and my question to, to is really as I explore this, right? I'm thinking, well, what's wounded? Yeah, so we all have wounds. So uh, you're, you're making me think, again, back to the email from, from your listener. There's a difference between wounded and broken. Complete difference between wounded and broken, right? We all have wounds. My parents were divorced when I was 14 years old. And, you know, I'm 56. You think I'd be over it. But I, there's, I still have wounds, right? They're much smaller, but they appear in very odd odd ways. But now I know how to work through it. And that's okay. Those wounds have made me stronger. (laughs) So um, we all have wounds. If if somebody says that they live a life where they've never been wounded, I would not, I wouldn't believe they would be in denial. (laughs) You've heard the phrase, you've, you've, you've heard the phrase, denial is a river in Egypt. Exactly. Exactly. But just because we're wounded doesn't have to mean we're broken. Okay. Uh, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is you get hurt, right? It's like you break your leg, uh, or here, I broke my wrist three weeks ago. I broke my wrist and, um, I didn't just sit home and do nothing about it. Right? Instead, I went to the emergency room, ah, went to the emergency room. Uh, they told me to go to see the orthopedist the next day. I did. And he said, Hey, you can wear a cast for six weeks and at the end you won't have full use of your wrist full rotation but if you go through surgery after two weeks you can have that cast removed and you'll have full full rotation so here we go you're wounded and you do absolutely nothing about it and so then my wrist is is broken forever right or i can go try to maybe clench my teeth and go through it myself. And after six weeks, maybe I'll feel a little better, but I'm still not completely healed or I can dig deep (laughs) and I can explore my wound and, and have the therapy. And after a little while, it was really hard to go through, you know, it was painful, but boy, look, I'm on the other side and I'm good. I got a scar, but you know what? That makes me look tough. (laughs) So I, I love that metaphor. And every metaphor can be stretched too far, <laughs> right? Oh, I'm waiting. <laughs> okay. I broke my wrist too. Mm. I broke it twice. Mm. The first time, um, my dog uh, wrapped herself around me with a lead and I, and I fell over because she was getting excited about going, getting out of the car and going for a walk, right? And I fell over and I thought, ow. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that hurts, but I didn't do anything about it. Six months later, again, walking the dog, the dog isn't, it's not the dog's fault, right? <laughs> um, I slipped on the ice and I fell over and I fell over and I thought, ow, that hurts. Uh, and I, um, uh, uh, <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going on holiday in, in, in like eight weeks or something. There's no way that I'm not going to be able to swim in the sea because I'm, I've got a cast on. So I really don't want to go to the ER, what we call, you call the ER, we call that A&E, accident and emergency. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't, I really don't want to go there because 
if it's broken, then I'm not going to do it. So I, I don't want it to be broken. Um, and then anyway, the following morning, it was hurting so much, I had to go to A&E. Um, and uh, they, they found two breaks. Mm-hmm. They found two mm-hmm. breaks. They found the, the, a, a small one that was four months old. Uh-huh. First instance, and they found one that was twenty-four hours old, and they put and they put me in a cast. That was the only thing that they can do, right? They put me in a cast. They didn't offer me surgery, but the the the, the wrist healed, and you'd be pleased to know it was to, uh, it, the cast was taken off two days, so I could go on holiday <laughs> in the sea. Okay. Oh, so, I am delighted to hear that. You're delighted to hear that. So this is where we're stretching the metaphor too far. And um, I don't know if people are still listening with us. You know, <laughs> I didn't need I didn't need surgery on that particular wound. Sure. So, but you 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 did. So that's the limits of metaphors, guys. Right. But here's the thing. This is this is this is an area that I'm that I am absolutely fascinated in. This kind of what it is that's wounded because we're talking about wounds broken bones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so we're talking about wound like we've got a cut is different from a break mm-hmm. it, it needs it, it mm-hmm. well in your case it needed surgery the a, a wound heals the wounds heal in time uh, mm-hmm. and my broke my break healed in time the, they didn't intervene other than keeping it that is an intervention. No, that is an intervention. Oh, that is an intervention. Okay. Well, they kept it <laughs> safe while it was, but it's a bit, it's a different intervention to surgery. It is, it is, it is. Okay. But but I was, but you still received some sort of a therapeutic intervention to okay, help you okay, get. Okay. I'm, so. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but here's oh, the can... thing. We, uh-huh. w- 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 I, I wasn't, you know, I, I am not, I am not my body. No, 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 no. And, and I get it. And I also get that certainly not every adoptee is going to feel that deep trauma, be wounded. I, I'd love to know what the I, I'd love to know what the statistics are. I just don't. I'm sure the vast majority are thriving and doing well. So but like anything, you know, it's it's the most extreme that gets the most attention. Yeah. I happen to live the life of the most extreme. Yeah. I happen to. Um, and that's okay. But I know lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of foster adoptive parents who don't live that extreme. Yeah. Yeah. So because sometimes, you know, you can it's obviously it's impossible uh, with uh, with one individual human being to break down all the the stuff that has that has gone on so you can say oh well um simon had some relinquishment trauma but he didn't have neglect or he didn't have abuse right. trauma he didn't have or he didn't have fasd or anything like it, it's it, it's some it's impossible to to break everything down and and uh you know yeah and uh, and we don't know how we don't know how genetics, you know, play a part of that. So, you know, what happened in utero in terms of the, you know, levels of cortisol that, you know, mom, you know, what uh, was coursing through mom's body because of um, stress. And we don't know a lot of that stuff. But we do know that when there are their extremes, 
there is so much hope. When my daughter was first diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder, it was it was one of those times when we didn't have hope. We didn't know, but but yeah. now we do. Okay. So to go back to my, because uh, so, I, I believe that we should be trauma informed, or as somebody said to mm -hmm. me, uh, trauma responsive, but hope obsessed. Yes. We need to be hope obsessed. Oh, all day long. All day <laughs> absolutely. long. Absolutely. Not many people are talking about that, though, for some reason. Why well, you again, uh, yeah, so I disagree with that. Um, oh, okay. it, I mean, it, in the media, sure. I, I get that. But if that's the case in one's life, I would say, who are you surrounding yourself with? <laughs> and I'm not saying it's part of your life by any means, but, but no, I, it's, it's, it's about how one chooses to look at things yeah. in their life, you know, well, and, and I love that. And if that could become a bumper sticker on everybody's car, let's be hope obsessed. Yeah. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. See, most of us aren't choosing most of the time, are we? Mm, tell me more about what you mean by that. Well, most of us aren't choosing what we do. So like, you know, shaking our fist or giving a, a finger to somebody that's cut us off in the traffic or, you know, I'd never do that sort of thing, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Most of, most of, our, mo most of us, mo most of us aren't, aren't choosing what we do most of the time. Most of us aren't feeling most of the time, most of the time, most of us are, listening to the voice in our head that's beating us up and saying that we're not good enough uh, parent. Oh, oh, you know, oh, we're, oh, not, oh. we're not we're not we're not we're not choosing we kind of we're not choosing that that's kind of my take on it that's my opinion most of us aren't choosing what we what we what we believe about ourselves most of the time um mm, then that i don't know i don't know maybe i've just been through more therapy than the average person <laughs> <laughs> I'd say before I did my own work, um, I was much more reactionary. And after doing my work, I live much more my executive function area of area of my brain. But um, but yeah, it's all we're all in a journey. I guess I'll I'll take that back to the kids too, right? They're all in their own journey. Yeah. And you know, uh, especially as my children are now young adults kind of understanding what part was my journey to guide them on and now what part is their journey that I'll always be there you know ready to catch them but but what part is their journey too so as an adoptive parent it's important to know what part of the journey you're on yeah it starts with us I mean we had a fantastic lady from a, a, an agency on called Holly and Petri who, who who's subject for her podcast was unpacking our own packages as there as you go it's about us you know it's about us um, it's about uh, us that's it's beautiful about, it's about us and i too uh hopefully uh, i'm i, I recognize the uh the you know some, sometimes cliches are cliches because they're true i yeah, recognize yeah, yeah. i recognize the journey stuff as well and i continue to do do my work mm -hmm. uh, I, I would say i've done more kind of spiritually based stuff um rather than, rather than psychological I'm a, I'm a fan of coaching as well rather than coaches and coaches rather than therapists so yeah I continue to I continue to, to do my own work but despite all that work reading this book this this primal wound book took me down mm -hmm. it, it, it it took me down and um not not bad not badly so my life was a well I, I had a lot of 
most of my troubles, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, were actually business related. You know, my mm. self-esteem was wrapped up in the business. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and, 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 that, and that was um, long-term pain, mm-hmm. nagging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than my adoption stuff has been a little bit more spiky, a little bit um, more, more painful, but much shorter lived. Yep. So, um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Where was I going with that? Um, I forgot my. I forgot my. Well, and yeah. Okay. I, the, the 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 thing is, yeah. So, what we think about what the reason that I'm concerned about uh, trauma obsession mm-hmm. is because uh, having read that primal wound book, I felt that you know, yeah, my my life was, uh, let's say, my life was a nine and a half out of ten or an eight and an eight and a half out of ten. Reading that book took me down, so it probably took me down a couple of points. Right. Okay. And I, and, and I thought I was stuck with that. Mm. I, I thought I was stuck with that, and and I went down the trauma rabbit hole. And if we if we start looking, you know, what we focus on gets what what we focus on got big got got. Oh, sorry, what we focus on gets big, bigger, like a magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I and I and I slipped down the the the, the trauma rabbit hole as in well but i talk about trauma rabbit hole i'm talking about that i'm wounded I, there's there's nothing i can do it, it, it it's this this is um this is all to do with what happened 48 years ago and i am primarily and fundamentally wounded forever there's nothing that can be done right but then i realized that that is not that's not the case because here's the thing and this is this is a question that's on my mind a lot at the moment so my mood has been up and down all my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. and everybody's mood goes up and down Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. you know it's some 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 peaks and troughs are higher some people have higher peaks and troughs some people have more troughs some people have but what is our, our mood our level of consciousness goes up and down all the time so mm-hmm. uh our our life experience is variable mm-hmm. yeah it's variable mm-hmm. as in it goes up and down the event that happened to me 54 years ago now so i'm a couple of years younger than you right is a fixed event in the past so that's a fixed event mm-hmm. one fixed event so i think did, did i remember telling me that you you were in finance is that did you tell me? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you put your your left brain on your finance, yeah. your 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 uh, finance brain on your left brain on your numbers brain, right? This is the question that I'm exploring at the moment. How can a fixed event cause a variable outcome? As in a fixed event, historic event, how can that cause a uh, a varied experience on life? Well, I am not smart enough to answer that question, but I certainly have an opinion. Okay. Well, you you I mean, are smart enough to answer I, it. Go I think, it. no, I think, I mean, I think you need a neurologist, a psychologist, somebody to answer that question. But, you know, we, we do revisit over and over and over again throughout life, right? Those, um, those traumas, because that's, that fixed event was a trauma, but that doesn't mean, and, and I'm curious about, and I haven't read this primal wound book. I don't. don't. 
I was going to say, I don't know if I should. But when you were saying that, you know, I'm like, wow, what I, I'm curious if what Simon did was just recognize some uh, some part of himself in that book. And so it was kind of holding it up as a mirror to you for the first time. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was curious about when you were saying that. Okay. So um, what my opinion on yeah. Nancy Verrier is that, uh, well, yeah, let's just say. Um, so my, my view on, on this is that what changes, so a historic event does not, cannot cause a, uh, uh, sorry, a fixed event cannot cause a variable experience of life. It just, it logically, it can't do it. So there's something else at play. Would you agree with that? I don't know. I'd have to hear what you think because I, I, so far, I don't agree with the hypothesis. But, that, okay. but continue, I'm because I'm I'm intrigued. All continue. Right. So, um, have you been? Uh, uh, do, do you like? Is there anything that you're scared of? No, uh, not in particular. Uh, but I'm looking at a little ghost outside of my house. Let's say I'm afraid of ghosts. Okay. So um, you could be walking up the stairs if you're afraid of ghosts uh -huh. and you're in the you're walking up the stairs then um, and, and you, you're going into a dark room and you know that the light switch is on the side and there might uh -huh. be a ghost in there. You're afraid of the ghost before you see the ghost. OK. Yeah. Yes, like people are afraid of people are afraid of flying, are afraid of flying before they're actually on the plane. Yes, that, that totally, totally makes sense. I yeah. had never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. So, so it, it's, it's, it's what, it, it's the thoughts that are going through our head yeah. at any one time that determine our experience of life. That, that I've never heard it said that way. And that's quite intriguing. So the, the, so if I think, if I, if I'm in a, if I'm in a good mood and I'm thinking, you know what, my mum and dad are great. And I love the fact that I'm being adopted. I was adopted and it's the best thing that ever happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. one That's one frame of mind, right? Mm -hmm. Then, uh, and, 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 you know, like, I, <laughs> I felt like that on occasions. I'm, I'm simplifying it, probably gilding the lily slightly as we're doing, as I'm saying, right? But what happened to me when I hit 40 and then a bit later on when I hit 48, I had all this anger throwing through, throwing through my head towards my birth mother. Gotcha. So it was the thoughts in my head, mm -hmm. you know, subconscious thoughts, whatever it's, it's, it's the thought, thought they weren't, they, they weren't, they were conscious. I was very conscious of them. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's not about, it, it's not about, in my opinion, it's not about what happened in the past. It's what's going on for us in the present. That's the I determinant see. of the thing. And we're, and, and we're taking our, we uh, we're all taking out, but the thing is that the the difference that makes the difference is how seriously we take our thoughts. So um, I was watching a thoughts or feelings, sir. Thoughts or feelings. Thoughts, thoughts, <laughs> thoughts, dry feelings. <laughs> I, I, I used to do a lot of this with with kids, right? Ten year old kids, they get it. Where do feelings come from? And the oh. kid, half of the kids would say, point at the heads, and half of the kids <laughs> would point at the hearts. And I would say, yeah. you are both right. <laughs> come out of your hearts, but they start in your head. So you're all <laughs> correct. Feelings come from thoughts, um, like, like juice comes from fruit. And there we, there we would go. So there's another story. 
But the whole thing is that we're taking, uh, most of us are taking our thoughts way, way too seriously. I'm going to be giving, I had a, I had a, a breakthrough on this a couple of days ago. So I was watching a, a program. Um, it's called, um, what's it called? It, it's about Romans invading the UK. Okay. Uh, up in Roman times, right? And it's got it's got bits of kind of black magic and weirdo stuff like that, and 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 kind of slightly paranormal science fiction type stuff uh-huh. um, that I I normally I, I normally wouldn't watch a show with that, right? Uh-huh. And but I'm I'm kind of into it now. I'm getting I'm kind of getting into it, and I'm taking this stuff seriously. But if I, I it, the the thought that occurred to me was. If I hadn't watched, it's called, I think the program is called Romans. I think if I hadn't watched this before, I would be saying this program is rubbish. Mm-hmm. I, I, this, mm-hmm. this is this is this make believe pixie dust stuff and potions is all a load of rubbish. So what's what I think is happening is that it, it, and so same thing, same program, same topic different experience one i'm invested in the program i invested in i invested in the storyline i'm drawn in by the characters and i think i'm starting to believe that maybe there's some truth to this separate simon watching it thinking this is a load of rubbish (laughs) now what happened to me with the primal wound is i i bought into the story i i bought into her theory and I thought that she's broken until I realized what she's talking about is human. Well, maybe not nature. Yeah, it's, it's, it's human. She was pinning the tail on the wrong donkey, in my opinion. She is saying that, um, uh, you know, she said things like um, uh, adopted people don't like change. Adopted oh. people want to, want to control things. And adopted people don't like being rejected. Who does? This exactly. Is <laughs> this is human stuff. Right. Right, but, right, right, right. But, but yeah, but you're laughing now, right? Because you've done your work. And, you, and when I read that stuff, I'm laughing. I laugh at it now as well. But when I read that stuff, I bought into it. And oh, I believe I that if we buy into the primal wound, we buy into this, we buy into this, you know, like, we're, you know, I didn't feel wounded until I read the primal wound. It's that's my experience, and it's mm. and it's really dangerous, and that's why I'm very concerned about trauma obsession. Because the more we buy into it, now you know I'm just talking about my stuff. I'm, sure, I'm talking about my stuff. But the the fundamental thing, my take on the on the primal wound is, I say, well, what's wounded? Well, what's wounded are our thoughts and feelings, and our sense of self. Well, that's and literally. Wounded. But well, that's not and, who we are. No, but literally parts of the brain become wounded too, right? So I mean, that's why you need to get a neurologist on here okay. to talk about that. So that, so this that and 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 that has been a fascinating topic, a fascinating topic for me as well. I've been trying to figure that out, which is why I asked um, uh, Robbie, whose whose um, kids have got FASD, is there any peace? Mm-hmm. The kids have got the. Uh, FSD, brain damage. Okay, so uh, if if the brain is damaged, is there any peace? Are these kids just completely nuts, 
out of control. Sorry, that's a horrible way used to a horrible use to a horrible word to use. Is this 24 hours a day or is this is this 16 hours a day? Is there any moment that these kids aren't asleep, they are causing absolute chaos? And she said, no. She said, there is peace if we if we and I'm, and so if there is peace, then that's what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on the peace and how do we expand the peace, which is probably what the, the guy does with his DDP um uh dan hughes whoever um i asked him to come on i, I sent him an email today actually asking him to come on uh the, oh the yeah somebody said I, I i was listening to one of my coaches and she said uh today she, she had a little task for us to do today she said um do 10 uh send 10 send um do 10 things that you don't think are going to work out mm. right so that's I don't awesome yeah. that's awesome so, well, so i did that this... so so there is peace so let's focus let's focus Let's focus in on the peace and not on the trauma. Let's focus on the let's focus on the spiritual essence of of who we are, which is peaceful and happiness, and be less obsessed with the um, uh, with the the human experience, buying into our thoughts and feelings and stuff like that. So, a lot of um, over the last year, I've spent a lot of time looking at things through a different lens. That two things can be true at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, right. And so um, my daughter's homeless. Right. And she's not living. Is she living on the streets? She was living in her car um, until it was towed away. So right now she's making enough money that she's in a hotel. So um, she has been on the streets before, but she's not right now. So, and, you know, refuses to get homeless services, you know, the whole thing, right? So two things can be true at the same time. It can be, tra- and I have to look at it. her being homeless. That is a tragedy. That is tragic. That is a bad scenario. And she's also doing the very best she can and she's not dead. And she probably would have been by now if I hadn't adopted her. And she probably would have had six kids by now who would have been going through their own trauma. And she never would have gone through beauty school. Yeah. And so, so I need to look at the bad part, look at it, know it's there, not pretend it's not there, right? And yeah. I can focus on the good. So I think we're saying very similar things. Um, before I did a lot of my work, I would have said, oh, just don't look at that homeless part. No. But now I'm like, look at it. You know, it's there. Don't ignore it. Because before I just would have ignored it and just looked at the positive things. So hold both and do what you said, focus on the positive. Yeah. But look at things as a big picture. And that's the expectation part. You know, my expectation of her living the best life she can right now, that's the very best she can do. I wish she could do better. She's doing the best she can. Here's the thing. We're all doing the best that we possibly can. That's right. Every single moment. That's we're doing the best that that we can. So when I get, when I get grumpy and when I, um, uh, uh, when I'm waving my fist, (laughs) you know, (laughs) as <laughs> something that's cut me up i'm doing the best that i can in that possible moment um and uh, and so we're, we're that's this is this is this is this is forgiveness you know this is like yes this is, this is, this is acceptance this is 
This is it is what it is. And that's um, what brings peace. It's, right. It's not, that's what brings peace. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'd say peace is always there underneath. Peace, peace, I, I would say peace is the uh, uh, I would say peace is the de- default and, and everything else is stacked on top of the peace. You know, the peace. So uh, this phrase that I, I've kind of alluded to, but I didn't say the whole thing. I, I use it a, a fair bit. You know, we're spiritual beings having mm-hmm. a human experience. So, <laughs> right. I like it's that. Not my, it's not my saying. It's a French guy whose name I can't ne- I never remember or pronounce, despite getting um, doing 10 years studying French at school. <laughs> um, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, but we're all so obsessed with the human experience we don't see the spiritual mm. essence of who we are. And as spirit, we can't be wounded. This is kind of where I'm thinking, my go. Like, so my, my, um, uh, my head can, um, so uh, if you've got a, uh, uh, oh, here's a metaphor I use for this. So if you've got a, um, the builders come, he's put, up a, he's put up a brick wall and he's painted it white. Mm-hmm. Virgin white or pristine looks great, right? Mm-hmm. That's who we are. Then somebody comes along, a, a, a graffiti artist comes along and starts tagging and doing all that sort of stuff, right? That's that's all the thoughts and the feelings that, that we've got. And everybody's looking at the wall and thinking, that this is this is a travesty. Why do these graffiti artists come in? Uh, and you know what's going on, and like we're going, we're kind of going completely nuts about the graffiti, and that's what I think that we're doing as human beings. We've, we're 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 uh, we're obsessing with the uh, the stuff that's going on for us. We're buying into the rubbish that's going on to our heads, rather than focus on the on the the pristine spirit of who we truly are underneath what's happening. So, this is my thought. Hearing you say that. Right. You know, we've, we've said the, the word wounded a million times now. Right? I, I guess I just don't understand what's wrong with a wound. Everybody's going to have wounds and wounds are meant to heal, but you got to do something to help those emotional oh, wounds yeah. come along. Right. And wait, and then go into the wall. The, if the wound is the, the graffiti, then we have to do the work to, to, to help to yes. heal, which would be like, putting on your big girl panties and then getting a bucket of paint and paint over it. Right. So that's why we have to all, you know, do our work. And as adoptive parents, we can't just sit back and just, you know, accept, Oh, this child may has gone through these wounds and I'm not going to do anything about it. I got to do the work to help the child. Yeah. But if we're doing that work from coming from, you, you said, um, uh, there's a difference between wounded and broken. Yeah. And so if the, the if the chat and you said kids are wounded but they're never broken. If we uh I I don't think they have to be broken at all. Right. Okay. We're, we're, it doesn't we're, mean they are. It doesn't mean they are because the wounds can heal. The wounds could heal. And, and broken was that was your emailer's word, right? And broken means to me you're never gonna heal. It's never the wound is never gonna scab over all that stuff. Part of human experience, and I like what you said, it's the human experience is to figure out how to heal from our wounds because we all have them. We have them and they exist in our thoughts and our feelings and not, but not in the essence of who we are, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. we, we are the context 
right? We're, we're obsessed with the content as a human race, right? We're obsessed with the content mm-hmm. of, our, of our heads and our hearts rather than the context in which they happen. It's kind of where I'm, where I'm going. And it's like, it's the difference between the kind of like, the, it's the space between the notes. You know, <laughs> it's the space between the notes. That's who we are with the, with the piece, with the, with the, we are the piece underneath the trash. But if we focus on if we focus on the peaceful bit and expand yeah. on that, expanding on that, doing the work, as you say, absolutely. I'm I, I, I'm clearly like I, I'm 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 doing two hours of work every day. I'm listening to spiritual. I believe stuff. you. I'm listening <laughs> yeah. to spiritual stuff while I'm walking, right? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And and that is that is making my life better. Hopefully. You know? Right, right, so I'm, right, I'm continuing. right. I, nobody's saying don't don't do the work, but I'm doing I'm doing the work from a place of I'm already whole. I'm already whole. I am, and so we, we are. We all are. I'm not being. I'm not being headed. I'm not saying. I didn't think you were. <laughs> Simon is great. The rest of the world, bad. No, I didn't think that at all. So, I didn't think that. But but we are we are too. In my opinion, we're we're too invested. Like like. And, and me too, right? Too invested. I'm too invested in the voice in my head. I'm too invested in this thing. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm separating out. But I'm coming from a place of, like, I can, I can do, I, I, I know this, I, I know who I am. You know, yes. everybody talks about identity, right? So yeah. oh, I know, yes. oh, yes. I know that my, I, I know that my identity is, and all our identity is, is one that is whole. And, I would say unwoundable because uh, you spirit is like the wind, right? You can't you can't put a knife in it. Well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree to disagree on that one. Good, so. good. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that we're really starting to talk about in this field is ambiguous loss, right? And Sorry? so ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous and unambiguous loss. So ambiguous loss for our kids, especially if there's no birth family connection. Um, it's like, I've got this lot, especially when people go through puberty, right? And this is when the identity thing starts. And, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't know who my people are, um, you know, and especially and I'm Caucasian, so is my husband, and our children are African-American, right? So you've got all kinds of identity stuff, because identity is also, as humans, is who we come from. And so it's, again, it, it's it's not that it can't be overcome, but let me give you an example. You know, when my grandmother died, right? I don't ever stop thinking about my grandmother, ever. And adoptees, I would imagine I'm not one. But I would imagine, don't stop thinking about this family that they've lost. But you can answer that for me. Do adoptees stop thinking about this family that they've lost? I can only, uh, uh, I can only talk for, I can speak for myself on this. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, I gave my birth mother almost no thought whatsoever till I was 40. And, and, and I'm so glad for you. And everybody has different experiences. So um, I can tell you what my kids were and I can tell you about the yeah. kids that I see all the time and they walk around with lots of ambiguous loss. But knowing what that is 
and then being able to work through it. I mean, first you got to know what it is, like being trauma aware. <laughs> and then the next part is to do something about it. So, um, but every person has a different experience and adoptees absolutely thrive. That's a great point to end on. <laughs> well, thank we, you. I we, learned... said, we said we'd go for an hour and, and here we are. I learned a lot today. Thank you very much. Did you? I did. All right. I what did. did you learn? Well, I just have a, a lot to process, but just a lot of the way you look at things are, are all very interesting. So they are completely nuts to most people. So you know. <laughs> but I'm I, happy in, in my nutty world. In, most, in life, I take the pieces that I want and I leave the rest behind. So it's yeah. all fine. So if, uh, if people, you know, if, if you're interested in looking at this, um, uh, this, this stuff, this, um, we are the, you know, the contact, it, does that interest you? The content versus the content, context of experience, or is that too, is that too way out for you? Uh, I just haven't thought about it a lot. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it's all very interesting. Okay. So, so if people are interested in this, um, check out a guy called Rupert Spira, I'd say. Well, very good. I, I All right. Uh, I got it. I need to run, but thank you. Very nice spending some time with you. Thank, thank you. you. See you Bye -bye. soon. Take care.